Hello and welcome back to No Capes Season 3. This show is usually recorded as a video talk show, so if you want to see what we're talking about in the show, check it out on YouTube as well. And if you'd like to support the show, you could consider subscribing at Patreon or donating to Ko-fi. For now, kick back, relax, grab your coffee, and enjoy the show. No Capes is now proudly sponsored by Global Comics, an amazing online reading platform filled with incredible creator-owned titles, and they have generously given us an ongoing discounted subscription link, which you can find in the description below. And not only that, but every week we'll be giving away three free subscriptions for Global Comics. It is filled with incredible titles. It is so easy for new creators to upload their books. I've got two stories up on there right now, and you will be able to enter every week to win one of three free subscriptions so check the description below find that link enter the giveaway it'll be drawn every following monday and announced on social media who those three winners are so good luck and happy listening hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of no capes the show where we talk about creator-owned comics with creators who own comics with me today is somebody whose work we've already talked about this season and last season and probably the season before the inimitable jen hickman jen introduce yourself to everyone a little bit uh hi uh i'm jen hickman i draw comics um a fair amount of creator owned um comics that's definitely my my favorite type to draw um i think the one that people might know me from is 2019's test out from Vault Comics, um, and before that, I oh no, I forgot that uh, Lonely Receiver came out in 2020, the uh, the year that still feels really odd. Um, season one. <laughs> that was season one. Yeah, that was season one. Damn. Well, it's still um, difficult to make time make sense from 2020 onwards. Oh boy, uh, tell me Lonely about Receiver, it. Lonely Receiver out from Aftershock Comics. Um, and then previous to test, I did Moth and Whisper, which was also out from Aftershock Comics. I really um, that dug that too. Wait, what? I really dug that too. That, I think that was actually the first comic of yours that I read before Lonely Receiver. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, that was with uh, Ted Anderson, and he, he put together such a really, really cool character and a really fun world. Um, let's see, and then test was with Christopher Sabella, and Lonely Receiver was with Zach Thompson. Um, nice. Yeah. And uh, coming up under your name on the good old comicsology is uh, Spread. Did you do covers or internals on that? I did a guest issue of Spread in 2016, I think, maybe. Um, might have been 2015, but a million billion years ago. I'm going to have to go back and find that because I've read the entire series before I started reading all the other stuff and got into doing the show. So, like, I wouldn't have put two and two together back then. So, I'm yeah, re yeah, yeah. that's really cool to know. So, I'm going to have to go back and reread that because I really enjoyed that book as well. Spread was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I really, really dug that series. And I, I like most things that Justin Jordan writes. He's, he's a solid one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, so if you're mm -hmm. watching this right now, if you want to know more about Lonely Receiver, uh, Skylar Patridge and I talked about that in season one, so head over to YouTube and watch that and then go read the comic. It's really good. Um, that was a really fun chat, actually. Skylar and I had a really yeah. great time talking about that book. I, I deeply enjoyed listening to y'all chat about it. I was so, like, relieved and delighted that y'all picked up on literally everything that me and Zach were putting down. Like that was that was extremely like comforting as a creator, you know, because you're never quite certain how people are going to take things. Yeah, it, um, exactly. And y'all followed along and like really understood the themes and like Kitchen's whole whole journey. So that was awesome. Oh, that's really cool to hear because like I often wonder what people hearing me talk about their books think. <laughs> totally. So that's that's really nice actually. It's actually been really nice sometimes having people come on the show after they've watched an episode where we've talked about their book and then like hear their thoughts. Right. it's it's interesting to know where I was at versus where the creator was at and how close I was to picking up the things correctly yeah yeah uh, and just a quick shout out on that uh, to my partner who is responsible for a lot of that because they're an art history nerd and a former art mm. history student and have talked to me about art analysis and art history and things like that in general for a long time and mm -hmm. 
I guess I picked some stuff up. <laughs> so, big shout out to Robin for being amazing and teaching me about that stuff. So, today we're talking about Wasted Space. Yes. Um, which is a really, really cool sci-fi comic. It's an interesting one. I wouldn't yep. necessarily say it's an outright co comedy, but it no. definitely no, is it's funny. Like a adventure, like a philosophical adventure comedy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, written by Michael Marici. Uh, correct me if I say any of these names wrong, because That's I've never okay. heard anyone's names out loud. Yeah, I looked it up, and the only thing on the internet I could find was Moriki. But again, like, sorry. <laughs> yeah, if you if you're in the comments, Michael, please feel free to let us know because this is a hard part of doing this from Australia as well. Is I don't get to meet anyone, and so unless I see somebody say their own name in a podcast or an interview somewhere, I have no idea. Um, yeah, but it was with art by Hayden Sherman, Jason Wordy on colors. Jason always mm -hmm. does a good job. Um, Jason's worked on a few comics with Ryan Lindsay, I think, which has been really cool. And uh, lettered by Jim Campbell. And of course, with the uh, incredible Wassel Brothers editing and, and publishing. Mm -hmm. And uh, Tim Daniels on visual branding and design. Yeah, truly beautiful stuff from Tim. No yeah. one's surprised. No, me neither. And like I've said this a few times before, but this is almost the Vault Comics show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd say half, if not a little bit more than half, of the comics we've talked about on the show have all come out of Vault. They're doing good stuff. They they really are. And so, what what else would oh, comicsology? What else would you say to give like a Cliff Notes synopsis of this book? Okay, so it's uh, a five-volume miniseries, um, which I guess you would just call it a regular series at that point. Um, 25 issues. I would say that it is hitting a lot of really classic, like, old-school 1970s, 1980s um, sci-fi visual notes, um, and that it sort of, I don't know, does a quick run around the lap of Western philosophy, um, which I don't really know if that's a Cliff Notes version of the description of the story, um, but it's, it feels pretty thematically accurate to me. Um, it's about a guy named Billy Bain, who um, for a brief while was at the center of everything as the voice of the creator. Um, persuading, I assume, yeah. hundreds of millions of followers to uh, do whatever he told them to do. Um, and unfortunately, uh, the creator told him to back um, this awful despotic dictator. Um, and so he did, and then the dictator came to power and things were bad. And we sort of uh, begin our story with Billy at rock bottom, having felt, having sort of created this and feeling terribly responsible for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a really nice introduction to just sort of come in at, here's Billy at the point in which everything is fucked. Yeah. And then have yeah. to find out how it got fucked, how he's related to it, that he's responsible for it, mm -hmm. and that the creator is kind of a dick. <laughs> Understatement. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and so sort of after we get all of these facts established, which I will say, like, an issue one of a, a series this large must have been brain-breaking to create, but that first issue does so much heavy lifting and sets us up so fucking well for the rest of it. Like, I was so impressed. Yeah. Um, and from there, uh, Billy has a, a friend who is a combination fuckbot killbot um, named Dust, who sort of keeps him out of trouble and, uh, I don't know, reminds him that good things are there in the universe and then we very quickly meet um the other prophet of the creator whose name is molly sue um and they go on shenanigans and adventures and quite quickly realize that they have to go kill god yeah that's right and that's right and she was the eyes of the creator versus the voice wasn't she uh the vision yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's really interesting and like like billy wasn't just like a prophet or a preacher he was like full-on mega church popular 
That's the vibe I got for sure. Yeah. There's the... <laughs> I'm just actually I'm just looking at I think it's page two where Billy's out mm. in space being cajoled by the creator. And then right. Yeah. Dust is just back on the ship doing what fuckbots do. Mm-hmm. While Billy's just dangling out in the in the ether. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they established that uh <laughs> the dynamic quite quickly. It's like, yeah, I care about you, Billy, but also, you know, we gotta pay the bills somehow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did I really appreciated um just like throughout the whole the whole sort of epic sprawling saga, um, just how much fucking humor there was in it. Yeah, like, right? Because I I was delighted by it. It made me like snort out loud several times. Exactly. It's like the, the gold standard for a book. <laughs> exactly. Um it's it's I snorting out loud is for me is the mark of a good book. For me the mark of a balls to the wall out of this world book is the ones that actually make me crack up out loud. Mm. I I can't remember the last one that did it. Uh, if you want to, audience, go through the previous episodes because I know I've talked about it. But there, there was like a time where I like startled Robin from the other room because I just cracked up. I'd been completely <laughs> silent for a while. And then I, I turned a page and just started cracking up laughing. Um, sometimes that's not just because of the humor either, actually. I remember one time I scared Robin because I started laughing out loud because of the art in a book. Mm, yeah. Um, episode three, I think, with Ted and Ro, and Ro from Crowded. We're talking mm. about Witch Hat Atelier. And there's oh, one... I love that series. There's one panel in that that I was just flicking through it and I turned the page and looked at this one panel and it was just so... in smart. It was so, such clever design and just so well done that it just mm. made me crack up out loud because I was blown away by how simple but incredibly effective and clever it was. And I just really loved it. And so thank you to Ted and Ro for introducing me to that book because I'd never read it before they suggested it for the show. And oh, now really? I'm sitting here waiting for the next one to come out. It's so good. Um, there was a similar moment uh, for me. I, I took notes as I did a reread because like five volumes is a little bit too much for my memory. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Once. Um, but in volume three, um, just after they're they're done ganking the crypto keys from the one percenters, um, there's this like the most hand wavy of fucked up adventures inside the like robot secret station where the like, yeah. all the uber rich hold their secrets. Um, and the the part that made me laugh out loud was that like there the, the the description of this was so hand wavy that when they go and confront the head robot, it's just a killbot that looks like all the rest, but it has a little golden crown on its head. And I had to, I had to set my tablet down and just laugh. It was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So good. <laughs> yeah, they've done some incredibly clever things with with the writing here. And then there's that weird cult of peace. Uh, I, I look, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it right now because this mm. this we're already doing it. If you haven't read the comic yet and you care about spoilers, bugger off, come back later, watch the rest of the episode. Otherwise, yeah. brace yourself, because we're going to talk... We're, we're looking through issue one, but we're going to talk the entire sh book. So, spoilers from here out, off you go. So, yeah, th that weird uh, pacifist cult that Dust went to and... Dust's ex was there with the, the big metal jaw. Mm -hmm. And that, I can't remember all of the specifics of it, but I remember as soon as they got there and started talking to them, I'm like, mm, I don't know about these guys. This is weird. This gives me weird vibes. Wait, not the, the purification cult? I think so. And okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, um, they, yeah, they, they sort of had to escape from them again. Yeah, I was thinking of it in my head as Therapy Planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's it. Like, it, it, they present themselves as just this really wholesome wellness, in, you know, coming to terms with yourself sort of thing, but... Yeah. It gets real weird. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a very memorable moment. And I also, I really like the, um, the designs that, that Sherman brought to them because, like, 
I don't know, they, they have this, well, and I guess I wear these colors as well. Um, like, there's a lot of really intense, like, blues and reds and just, like, thick, stripy blackness that, like, for whatever reason, made it all even more unsettling. Yeah, and I, I, I really because, love like, that about the art in this book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, Sherman, I don't know, like, I am such a sucker for a sci-fi universe that feels, like, like really lived in and sort mm. of gritty and, and um something that plays with scale but on like a on a people level so it yeah. doesn't get like so big that you're like i no longer understand how to compute this space anymore yeah and i think that that sherman brought a lot of um all of that like everything just felt like a little gritty around the edges and it, that's exactly the sort of thing i love I, I know exactly what you mean and i think that's really important with sci-fi is that you know sure you've got to show the vastness of space if you're doing this yeah. kind of a book, you you, you have to, but Absolutely. if you don't focus more intimately on the people, mm -hmm. like you said, it loses context. Yeah, well, and I think that um, ties right back into like the sort of cosmic themes filtered through these very individual little weirdo characters, right? Cause yeah, it's, it's very heady. There's a lot of huge philosophical constructs about and free will and purpose and agency and all of this stuff and choice um, and that's to me like the vastness of space but then it's also like well in this moment is Billy Bane gonna do the right thing probably not <laughs> right even even when he's trying to do the wrong the right thing he's mm -hmm. doing many wrong things in the process <laughs> yeah he was he was a very fun protagonist he was and like I do love a protagonist that you really want to hate, but you also can't help but root for. Because, yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's not even because they're necessarily even all that likable. Sometimes sure. it's just that the antagonist is worse. <laughs> sometimes they're just like that, yeah. worse. And I mean, even when Billy is growing and becoming better and starting to have better relationships with people, he's still mm -hmm. a dipshit. Yeah. Even Billy at his best is still a dipshit. <laughs> but at all points, all of the politicians and the creator itself are so much worse that you really want Billy and his team to succeed. Right, right. So did you have a favorite uh, character or favorite moment? Um, I like Dust. Dust was great. Yeah. Dust is so likable. Yeah. And just has such tender and real relationships with almost every single character in the book. Even when yeah. they, they you know, partner up with that new team of weirdos and like the god killer and stuff. That was hysterical. The part like I don't know, it felt like a like such a departure from how the rest of the series had been, but it was like a, a breath of fresh air. It was delightful. Right? And and yeah, then suddenly these guys are just all part of the crew now. Yeah. <laughs> and they're so bizarre, such strange characters. But then, mm -hmm. like, Dust is immediately just like, family, yeah, in you come. Sure, yeah. And, and Dust especially when he gets his, his uh, 80s porn star mustache. Yes. Cracks me up. It's, I, that mustache was such a good decision. And then, like, the rotating um, wardrobe of costumes that yes. really covered nothing. It was perfect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, parts of it, I guess even, like, looking at this first outfit here, the way it's designed, parts of it look like, yeah, sure, that looks like it could be some kind of protective mesh armor. <laughs> but, like, all this... Right. Like, the, the parts that you also would not want to get stabbed are just out there. Right? Uh, but... They're such cool designs as well. Like, if I was built like dust, I'd probably wear that outfit too. <laughs> yeah, I, I really appreciate how much, um, just how, like, thick and solid all of Sherman's figures are. And, like, I feel like that was something that they were always really strong with. And then as this series kept going, like, it was more and more established. And it was just so cool. Very, very inspiring. Yeah. And, and some of the, like, creature designs and stuff in this book are incredible. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, yeah. 
like in this scene where they've gone in to confront old mate in the church or whatever it is, the, the skyscraper, and right. those mercenaries or guards or whatever come running mm. in, and they're all yeah. like these weird, solid, stocky things with the big skull plate helmet yeah. on in their red armor. Yeah, yeah, it's a good look. And then they've got the. They take that off and, like, their neck extends. Oh, I interpreted <clears throat> that as, like, um, those were exoskeletons and the aliens were, like, tapeworms. Oh, yeah, yeah, that could be. I, but, you know, <laughs> it yeah, could just that, be a really long neck. I don't know. Like, that makes sense as well. Like, it's not actually revealed here. Yeah. Other than something fun. stretches. Whether that, that is their body or just a neck or what i have no idea sure yeah yeah no those are those guys were great i also really liked legion's design yes yeah legion was really well designed too um yeah. legion is portrayed as a big bad for the first, first. bit that they're yeah. they're there and then it turns yeah. out that oh maybe Le legion's a little more complicated than that yeah i think um if I, th I feel like with Wasted Space specifically, using the phrases good and bad is very much not the point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> At it's... least Legion was trying to do good things and not cause harm. Yeah, Legion was trying to deal with the creator who was doing more harm than anything. Right. Yeah. And so while being big, scary, and kind of murderous, Legion was trying to stop the creator who is responsible for so much other suffering in the universe in multiple universes by the end of the book in multiple universes i did i thought that that uh that twist was really fun where we got to go to a, a future version of earth basically that yeah that part killed me the bit with the jet ski specifically <laughs> i was sitting there giggling the entire time i was reading it that was so much fun <laughs> yeah then and that's the thing that i definitely will say is that this book is it is super fun yeah, yeah, and I do think that um, if, I don't know, I, I feel like it was a really sort of, yeah, of course this thing was shaped the way it is because it had to be to be the best version of itself, but I also think that I might have bounced off of this book if it weren't so funny, because, like, there's a lot of just talking philosophy that circles around and around and doesn't really go anywhere, Yeah, and that, that can be very fun sometimes if you're in the right mood for it, but having that, like, consistently goofy sense of humor going on really kept me into the book and right well played everybody involved. yeah exactly fantastic yeah they did such a good job with that because like it's not just that the the characters are funny and the situations that themselves get in are funny but like mm -hmm. also as much as there is that constant philosophy talk the characters themselves also make fun yeah of the philosophy yeah yeah, and it's it's definitely more of the thing where the characters are on this journey for themselves instead of the author is shouting at the reader, you know? Um, and I think that that's yeah. probably the difference between that sort of uh, theme in in the hands of a good writer versus in the hands of maybe someone who's not as, as deft. Yeah, and that's definitely what I loved about it, is that it, like there was a lot of talk of philosophical ideals and political ideals and yeah. you know religious doctrine and yes. a lot of topics that can actually be really heavy whether like emotionally really heavy or just a slog to get through because they're such yeah. dense conversations to have but it wasn't just an author you know expositioning at us right it like you said it felt like you know, these characters are each on their own journey like this is a world in which God is real. Yeah. Or, I was thinking about that. Or yeah. something that considers itself God is yeah. real. Yeah, that's I was I was thinking about like what what made me appreciate this this universe's versions of God um, so much and I do think it's the fact that they they're killable. <laughs> yeah. Right. They're, they're real in a way that resembles humanity much more so than I think the ones that we have on our current planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like they, they, they are vastly powerful, mm -hmm. but they are alive. They yeah. exist. Yeah, and it's so it's so weird because like they're they're vastly powerful, but they like 
both Legion and the Creator were vastly powerful in ways that were quite similar to what people in in our real world attribute to gods, and that it's like very subtle and could be something else. Um, but in Wasted Space, it's always quite clear. No, 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 these are real, real gods that are doing all of this. It's not uh, all in your head. Exactly, yeah. They're, they're, it's not something that can be misinterpreted in a way that, like, you have to question whether it is even a thing. It's like, yeah. no. It's like, quite quite literally, the... the point your telescope over there, and, and there yeah. he is. He's watching right now. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and like, I don't know, bringing back uh, Margaret for uh, her wacky presence on Weird Earth. Mm. Like, that was definitely, like, there's no other explanation than, like, God powers. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, yeah, how, how did the creator know that this alternate Earth existed and Margaret existed there other than yeah. that? Yeah, because I was, I was a little bit worried early on in the book that the creator really was in Billy's head and nowhere else. Mm. Um and that worry was like a little bit assuaged when uh, Molly Sue came forward because like okay we've got like a second witness to this it's not just you know I don't know I grew up on like all of those uh, early 2000s movies where it was all in somebody's head the whole time um, and right I was like for a minute like oh geez I'm not sure if this is just going to be nothing and then it wasn't it was glorious sci-fi uh, a little a little punchy a little um, I don't know a little bit more fun. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that's it. Like, I, I watched a lot of those movies growing up, too. And and that's the thing, is that, like, sometimes it's more satisfying for it to be real, you know? Yeah. Like, for it to turn out to have been real the whole time. Yeah. And, and like, sometimes that makes the struggle more satisfying and, like, makes the journey more interesting. And, like, the, the protagonist and the surrounding cast may think that they're going out of their minds. And then it turns out, like, no, you were right. You were right the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, here it is, and it's fucked up. Yeah. And, like, I, I really appreciated that when it was revealed that, no, the creator's real, and it exists, but it's also just an aspect of something else, if I remember rightly. I've just got... Yeah. I've got a vague recollection of there being, like, a larger machine that the creator is, like, a projection of. I mean... Kind of. I think the... Where it came to where I was like, okay, I understand what kind of real this is, is when, um... When we learned that the creator uh, functioned a lot like a virus, mm. and that galaxies were the hosts. Yeah. That's um, right. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I can't... It, like, was the creator man-made? I can't actually remember if it was like... I think it was implied that it was man-made because we saw in its little like cute origin story thing, which I did, I quite liked all of the Matrix references at the end, um, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Uh, but there was, its sort of origin was in a, a sort of field of code um, and it was just this little anomaly noticing things um, and then relating itself to humans. Uh, so I would assume that, yeah, it's man-made, which yeah, sure. All gods are man-made. Why not? Yeah, r realistically. Mm -hmm. Like, even you know, e even when you go into like Grecian mythology and stuff like that, the gods are there, but there's so yeah, much really... attached to it that they only have power for as long as there's belief. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I I did. I very much liked that both um, Prometheus and Sisyphus kept getting referenced repeatedly in the book because mm. I felt like those were really good. Um, I guess like connections to make for both uh, the relationship of humans to gods and also like I don't know what the various characters were going through. I don't know. I'm, I'm yeah. a sucker for a reference. No, no, I, I, I get that too. Like, sp even, like, especially Billy. Like, Billy wasn't necessarily being punished. He kind of was. Like, the creator was definitely fucking with him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the universe I itself mean, wasn't trying to necessarily punish him. But his sure, journey was... was definitely a Sisyphean struggle. Although, yeah. most of it, by his own action. Yeah, I feel like Billy, Billy pun punished himself. Really. Yeah. Exactly. Like, he, he really was going through a struggle, and it was, you know, just every time something almost good happened, something worse happened, but 
it was mostly through his it. own choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Whether he even realized he was making those choices at the time, different story. But he was, yeah. like you said, self-sabotage. Absolutely. And Molly, were, Molly and Dust were really the only two that had a half a head on their shoulders. <laughs> and they were vital. Yeah, I kept sitting there thinking, like, would I have liked it better if both of them got to, like, have an arc more? But I think that, like, Billy being as trashed as he was um, sort of counterbalanced, and actually we did need two separate characters who were not really arcing at all. Well, okay. Well, no, that's not true. Molly, Molly Sue definitely came into her own. Um, but I don't know. I felt like their presence as, um, like, solid, confident, uh, caring forces was, like, really necessary when you have a character like Billy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, he definitely needed those influences. Like, every single person that came onto that team, except for maybe the god killer and the, the radiation, was it radiation or gas guy in the robot body? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like those were just comic relief characters, yeah. and I adored them for that. that yeah. They were fun. They weren't necessarily important to anyone's journey, yeah. But um, everybody else, especially, I'm forgetting their name right now, but the character, the, like the warlord that Dust ends up with. Oh, um, Sira? I think that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sira brings Sarah a lot of an interesting like energy to yeah. everything yeah, as no, well. Yeah, that was fun. It was, it was nice to see Dust get something just that's good and not yeah. complicated. Yeah, right? After everything yeah. that Dust has been through, look, looking after <laughs> fucking Billy. Yeah, after Billy, and then uh, fucking Fury as well. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, she was fun. I Honestly, if, if there were to be a spin-off series from Wasted Space, I would want it to be about Fury. Yeah, that would be cool. That would definitely be cool. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, all of the snippets of stuff that we see of Fury really highlights that like Fury's been through some shit and has seen some shit and has had some adventures. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I did I really liked um her relating back to Billy, uh struggling for a purpose and then dealing with a purpose that is like objectively bad. Yeah. Um and trying to figure out what to do within that set of expectations. I I don't know. Therapy Planet was a fun little chapter for me. I quite enjoyed it, even if it was like creepy to the extreme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the cult story was definitely yeah icky, but yeah. eventually, like when when Fury like reemerged in the world to come and mm -hmm. help everyone, that was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. How did you feel about um, the sort of final battle? show <laughs> honestly because of my old good old adhd brain i'm having a hard time remembering a lot of it right now yeah but, it was it was extremely like chaotic as well yeah i remember like being really into it yeah i don't remember a lot of specific feelings other than just flip 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 right because it was just it was really sucking me in and i'm like what wait yeah, yeah. huh who yeah, did this now it reminded me a lot of um, all the, the epic space battles from, like, I don't know, fucking Return of the Jedi. Like, very classic yeah. stuff. And, like, even even some of the Cylon battles in Battlestar Galactica, where it's just, like, so much is going on and it's so complex. But you're like, whoa, this is the biggest deal ever. Oh, my gosh. Like, here's the final showdown. So, it really, like, for me, it really hit those notes quite well. Yeah, um, I really liked that. Even if all those notes were, like, overwhelming. Yeah, there was a lot going on, but it wasn't too much like it made sense like i liked how much was going on because yeah this is a chaotic battle for the fate of the universe yeah shit is not gonna go smoothly there is gonna yeah. be crazy stuff happening all over the place and i i loved that energy like it didn't feel like a mess for the sake of a mess it right. felt like crafted chaos because yeah, that's yeah. what that is you know, yeah, like yeah. that whole part of the story from the protagonist's point of view would just have been pure chaos. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and I feel like that sort of uh, chaos is really challenging to capture well in a comic, and Sherman did an amazing job. Like, I think all of those those really like fun trippy layouts with all of the like odd shaped panels and like um, leading us through the page design rather than like just uh, going for what our expected reading order is. Like, yeah, I I feel like that really worked well with the sort of unfolding chaos and things coming to a head yeah um, I, I really like that yeah no me, me too I really like the I love when people play with layouts and panels yeah. and, and stuff like that I I do and I don't right because like sometimes it can get in the way of clarity you know true no, like, well I love when they play with they it well. and it succeeds yeah when yeah. they achieve their goal yeah it always to me um, I don't know when I'm thinking about layouts I get really gun shy really easily, and I feel like non-traditional layouts are sort of playing with live ammo in a way. Because if you screw it up, like probably someone isn't going to understand the page you're on. Yeah. Um. So so seeing the art like succeed so wildly at these uh, unconventional layouts was like so fucking cool. It it really is. Like I'm looking at a page in the first the very first issue right now, uh, okay. where we're first introduced to the other creatures that are kind of like uh legion mm, yeah the little underlings yeah and all the like all the looks like pages I, are flying f falling down from the sky above their heads yeah yeah i noted them as a uh, katamari beings in my head <laughs> yeah i see that i see that uh, yeah yeah and like they're really interesting and like and then you see like they're all tied down and connected to something there mm-hmm And then yeah, I we're think introduced if, to... if there was one thing I want more of, it's a little bit. And like I know some people find this so boring, but like I want more of the nitty gritty explanation for like all of the like clearly intricate systems that are just like being laid down like that. Like, right? Who I... are these beings? Why are they there? Yeah, I want connected? a visual dictionary for this world. That would be so cool. Vault, Tim, Adrian, Damien, if you guys uh, are watching this one, <laughs> talk to the creators. Hook us up. Uh, give us a visual yeah. encyclopedia so that we can find out all of the lore because there's obviously there's obviously so much that went into the creation of this story and the design of yeah. this universe that oh, yeah. doesn't make it to the page yeah and, and there was it was definitely the the sort of sci-fi universe where like especially early on when there our crew is sort of rambling around the universe doing things when I was like, oh no, am I going to have to keep track of this planet name? Ah, geez, I don't know if I can do that. And then later, yep, all of those planets came right back around because it's a deep enough universe and it's well designed enough that, yeah, of course, why wouldn't you return? This wasn't truly a throwaway planet. Right. <laughs> but at, at least for most of them, they gave them a nickname. Yeah. You know, like, you know, like this is a pleasure planet. This is the casino planet. This is yeah. the capitalism pl planet, you know? <laughs> Like, they, they all had a descriptor of some sort that you've, even if you don't remember the planet name, as soon as you see one of the characters from that planet, you can remember what the theme of where they're from was and sort of get a feel for how they're related to the story again. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like uh, Wordy's Colors really, like, did some heavy lifting on that front. For oh, sure. yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, like, uh, yeah, Wordy's Colors on this page where we finally get to see Legion... Mm -hmm. just uh so cool like it, it makes yeah. legion stand out so much and really makes it more impactful like the we get the the full body shot of legion and with like the long snout with the dangly things instead yeah. of it being on top of the head um yeah. and then the like that extreme close-up with the yellow background i really like that juxtaposition and the thing especially with the colors that Wordy did that I love the most about this book that mm -hmm. is, like, something I love about Wordy's work in general, honestly, mm -hmm. but stands out especially in this book to me is the textures. Yes. All the I different textures. Like textures were so much. Like, they brought so much and they complemented the artwork so perfectly. And, yeah, they, they made everything feel so lived in. It was fantastic. Right. Like, you could do these same colors without the texture and it would probably still look fine sure but that texture just 
does something. Yeah, and I think, um, I don't know, for me, screen tones are really difficult to deal with because, like, they're very loud visually, mm. and it's sort of difficult to get them to play nicely with, um, with like, uh, like planes, like, like as if yeah. the page were a uh, theater stage. Like sometimes, if you put a zip tone on on the front layer, it's going to read as background or vice versa. Like it just it fucks with space and depth and all sorts of things. But with the textures and the colors, um, the the screen tones and the art like really worked beautifully and it yeah. does like it has that like i don't know nostalgic sort of retro look that i yeah, love yeah exactly it does it does it gives a really nice retro uh feel but also in a new and different energy yeah. which is cool like yeah, it's, maybe, it's like maybe nostalgic isn't the right word because it's, it's not truly like a throwback to anything it just feels retro yeah that, that's what i mean like yeah it, it gives you sort of a well it's nostalgic in a way that it like sort of triggers that memory of you know, things enjoyed in years past yeah yeah but nothing specific yeah at, at least to me that's how it feels um yeah but no, then right. the way that it's done like the way that they've fucked off the line art in parts like this page yeah. here legion isn't fully outlined there are, are big chunks of the artwork where there's no line art and it's just the color and the textures and some chunks of black ink. Yeah, but that's so cool. It's on like the same limb as parts that are fully outlined. Mm. And it's yeah, it's really interesting. And I feel like that also works well to give a sense of depth and yeah and perspective and stuff. Especially in this page where a lot of the background is just void. Right. It's hard to give perspective in a void. Absolutely. When there's where's nothing, there's not really a lot of frame of reference. But the way they've done that, with the back leg mostly being not outlined and the mm. front leg being outlined with just some parts missing it, it quite clearly shows that Legion isn't just standing straight on with a wide leg stance or anything. Like the one foot is shifted and yeah, he's emerging like, from that little building. Yeah. Yeah, he has a great sense of scale to him, mm. which is really impressive. Yeah, I really, really like that. And... Yeah, I I really want that encyclopedia, because I've got questions. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can see Legion's eyes here, but, like... Is that his eyes that go all the way down the snout? Right? Like, I, that... I choose to believe that is, because yeah. I can't imagine how that would be, and that's fun. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, like, what functional purpose does that have, having eyes all the way out here? Right. But, like, also, how does he avoid getting poked in the eye? <laughs> and, like, these, we this need is... this visual encyclopedia. Yeah, like, these are very mundane questions, but they are questions I have. And I yeah. have those for so many things throughout the book. Yeah, yeah. I sat there thinking about uh, Rex for a while um, and, like, why did he choose to get robot uh, everything? Yeah. And yeah, by the end of the he book, do? he's got so many robot parts. He's yeah, mostly yeah, robot. Yeah, no, that was really cool. Yeah, because I, I think initially when we first meet him, he's just got the, the arms and the eyes. Mm -hmm. And then I remember he gets, like, blasted in half. Right. Wait. I, th I think that was what happened. Like, he got shot or something? Maybe. Yeah, I don't I, remember. I, it's pretty early on, like, when the, he was planning to destroy, blow up the planet the or nuke. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Something happened to him. He got he got wounded again. They I think they left him for uh, dead. Well, I, th I don't think at that point... I mean, at that point, he was part of the... <laughs> he was part of ass. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, trying to stop them and um, yeah, I don't, I don't think they really left him because he wasn't really a part of them yet. Yeah, well, so that's what I mean. Sorry, he got wounded and they just yeah, yeah they just yeah. buggered off and he got left behind. Not because right. he was part of their crew, just he just they didn't care what happened next. Yeah. And then he came back, yeah, with all of his robot parts. And I actually, I can't remember if this is the cover for issue two or if it's just some promo art, but at the back of issue one, 
they've got that art that is like a nod to all those old sci-fi fantasy posters and stuff like that mm. where like right. billy's billy's there looking all all gruff but we've right. got um molly with the gun and then dust with one arm wrapped around billy's leg yeah i think is is that not uh referencing a star wars poster i'm not sure if it's referencing the star wars poster specifically but like it's mm. just such a nod to it's a, it's like a classic yeah it's poster. like a nod to all those yeah. old like frank frazetta yeah all those old sci-fi fantasy looks um you might be right it might be referencing a specific uh, star wars poster but i can't remember i, I think so but again there a lot of them look quite similar um that time so you know yeah because like the the stance with the gun is definitely reminiscent of luke right on most of the star wars posters but i just don't remember if there was one like specifically with like leia wrapped around someone's leg because there's there's the so. one of leia kneeling down in front of luke when he's got the lightsaber sure but she's also just holding a blaster yeah, so maybe it is some other... Well, anyway. <laughs> yeah, but it's very reminiscent to me of, like, the old Conan the Barbarian art oh and God, all yeah. that sort of stuff, where there's yeah. the the big hero with a lady wrapped around his leg. So, like, that yeah. trope is so tired, but I love yeah. when something makes a nod to that trope in oh, a yeah, yeah. funny and more subversive way. Completely agreed. And, like, yeah, here, we've got this just dweeby little asshole in the front position and then mm -hmm. we've got dust who is like arguably the hero of the entire series <laughs> just laying down with his gun and one leg one arm wrapped around him mm -hmm. and like their relationship is so cute oh so much fun but, like really billy was. likes to pretend that he doesn't just love the hell out of dusk throughout most of the comic but it's so yeah. obvious and dust knows it so yeah. Dust puts up with so much of Billy's shit because he knows Billy. And he knows that Billy yeah. is absolutely helpless on his own. Yeah, I the moment in Volume 2 where literally they put the entire quest on pause to go get uh, Dust a new arm was like everything to me. Like, of course you do that for your best. Yeah, of course right? you do. But, but Billy, like, solidly refuses to admit why he's doing it the whole time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, no, you just, you, you're no good with one arm, and that sort of attitude. Right, right. I was like, yeah, no, you just, great. you just want to help your friend out. It's obvious. Yeah. You, you're big softy. Yeah. Get some therapy. <laughs> <laughs> but not from the cult. <laughs> no, not, not from Therapy Planet. <laughs> I also do love, though, um, how, uh, Rex and his dickhead mates are in the background of this. It's like Rex has got the fucking nuke on his back in the background <laughs> of this poster nuke. as well. Like, yeah, yeah, of course. So funny. Let's just carry that around in a backpack. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. I've, well, we've reached the end of issue one on Comixology, but there's still so much about this book we can talk about. So. You, you guys oh, watching can just enjoy this nice piece of art right now. <laughs> um, actually, I, I didn't ask you when you asked me. Who was your favorite character? Uh, it's always really hard for me to pick favorites. It is. Um, there's, for me, there's usually like three or four that yeah. are equal. Yeah. It's funny because I usually, I tend to not like protagonists and I tend to like the shitheads. But in this book, the protagonist is the shithead. So right. I, I hate to say it, but I think um, our, our piece of shit lead is my favorite. <laughs> yeah. See, for me, it's Dust first. Mm -hmm. And then Billy and Molly together mm. second. Like, I really like Molly's journey of self-discovery yes. and becoming her own person and everything. Yeah. Um, and, like, yeah, Billy is a shithead, but he's a fun shithead, and he does grow a lot by the end of the story. He's not... Yeah. He's still not yet, like, a good person by any stretch, yeah. but he's not a complete dropkick by the end of the book. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think he has... He has a really satisfying little journey, even if it is, like, kind of a stunted journey, if Yeah, he's, he's show, he shows that he has potential for healing and growth. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's definitely a... a character who is 
smart enough to get in his own way constantly um, and so disconnected from his emotions that that is also getting in his way. And oh, I feel like at least he handled the second one a little bit by the end. <laughs> yeah. Like, if, if that ain't a relatable feeling, though. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing for me. It's like, I often really enjoy the main protagonist of a book. Mm-hmm. But for me, I always, always fall in love with, like, a secondary character. Yeah. And I just want more of them. And it's... Yeah. If, if that second if a secondary character ever gets cut from a book mm. I'm usually really upset because I can guarantee you that that's the one that I fell head over heels for and wanted to read <laughs> through the entire book right right <clears throat> there were a couple of times there where I thought Dust was going to bite it yeah and I was so glad that they didn't kill Dust off yeah they did um, they did a really impressive number of uh, bait and switches or oh you thought uh, in this series, I, I quite enjoyed it, um, and even like a, I don't know, like oh, you thought like um, Molly and Billy actually hooking up? I was like, did they or didn't they? This is so confusing, and they yeah. let us on for like so so fucking long. Right? I was, I was for ages like, there. I was like, <laughs> what is what what is happening here? Like, what's going on? Yeah. And I yeah. It was it was so frustrating waiting for the answer. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they did a really good job of making that excruciating. <laughs> but yeah, just all in all, it's such a well-crafted universe. It's so much fun. I'm I'm so glad that this wasn't a book that got cut early. Yeah, it's I feel like it's it's extremely rare for creator-owned books to be given as long a leash as Wasted Space had. Mm. And I think that what they did with that space is fucking awesome. They really did, because um, uh, this, and there was this and another sci-fi space-faring comic that I really loved that I got into at the same time. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it did not get the same treatment. And it got cut oh, before it finished. Uh, that was uh, Out of Darkness. Okay, yeah. And that one was really <clears throat> fun. Like, it's some weird supernatural bullshit with, like, mm-hmm. their ships are powered by god engines. Oh, okay. And, like, they've got, like, war priests and, mm. like, uh, mathematical exorcists and stuff. Oh, that's fun. All right. and it's like they trap demons and ghosts and, like, eldritch deities and then put them in their mm-hmm. engines and then feed them souls in order to fuel the engine. And, and just all that kind of stuff. And it starts mm. immediately with somebody stealing a ship. <laughs> Amazing. And, uh, yeah, it was such a good book. And then it had a crossover with Chew. Oh. Yeah, they like uh, they had, like, a hard light hologram uh, okay. program on this, the thing. And they had something weird going on, like a weird murder and stuff, that they needed help solving it. So they brought oh. the characters from Chew... Wow. Into the real world. And it got cancelled? Right? Yeah, wow. it, it, it did. Shortly after that, it, it got cancelled. Huh. Um, but it was, it was such a fun book. Highly recommend that one as well. Like, actually, I did... As, I did who did I cover that with? Jordan Clark, I think, I talked about that with. Excellent. Um, I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, and it was, it was after the episode. The creator watched the episode. And then told us that, sadly, no, there isn't going to be any more. That's heartbreaking. I'm sure for, for the creator as well. Yeah, he, he was really bummed. But it's such a good book. So, look, go yeah. read that book and then, like, yell at the publishers. Because I think there okay. was some stuff about giving the rights back to him so he could make more and stuff okay. like that. Like, it was locked in with the publisher. But the publisher okay. didn't want to make any more. But he couldn't also make any more off his own bat sort of deal. It yeah. was something like that was what he told us. Okay. Um, so, yeah, like, everybody go read that book and then shout about it on social media and try to get the rights given back to the creator so that he can make more because it was a really great book and a really cool world. Similar to this, like, really in-depth and thought out. And there was so mm-hmm. much more that I wanted to know about. Gotcha, yeah. And, uh, yeah, like everyone gets deserves to tell their whole story 
it's always sad when a, a title gets cancelled early through no mm -hmm. fault of the creator's own and sometimes yeah. often through un just unfortunate publishing deals and stuff like that and yeah everyone should get to tell their story in full yeah yeah and so it is also true though that the thing that is having the most success right now is a at least within this type of sphere is the five issue miniseries right yeah like it used to be issues and now everybody has to slice and dice their way down to five or start thinking from from the get-go about five and the fact that wasted space had like so much space yeah we didn't waste it exactly and and <laughs> i love i i love how uh there's the rise of the graphic novella at the moment as well. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's that's a really fun length. I, I like yeah. a few of those. Right, like this one that uh, Frankie White did. It's like mm -hmm. a the narrative zine. So it's like a mix. Oh, okay. It's a mix of sequential stuff and then like the back matter is part of the book, not back matter. Like there's like I appreciate that character profiles and like blueprints of this stuff in world and stuff like that yeah and then just I some pages of so prose i feel like if i if i flip okay this is this is definitely like just my two cents um but if i flip back to another page at the end of a comic book and it's a like little how does a comic get made let's go from thumbnails to finished art like i'm so bored by that we all know by now you can go online and find it out in two seconds like if i, yeah. if I want back matter i want in world back matter mm -hmm. yeah and that's it like this is this is Part of the like you you flip through three pages of comic, and then there'll mm -hmm. be a page of prose describing one of the organizations in World, and it was yeah, a really interesting cool. format. Um, and like uh, it was the first book I worked on because it's a, mm -hmm. it was an anthology book with like forty different artists. Oh wow! Um, so I was really thrilled to be part of that because it was a fundraiser for the Trevor Project. That's awesome. Um, but that one was really interesting, and then there was like uh, she at the Tower of All That Is Known by Ryan Lindsay. And that's like yeah. a 40-page book, yeah. I think. It's not thick, for, that's oh, for that's sure. Yeah, they did really cool. Like... Oh, that's dope. That's lovely. Yeah, um, they did that with uh, Comics Tribe. And then they did something similar for Wailing Blade uh, mm. later as well. They did like another die cut mm. hardcover for Wailing Blade um, shortly after, which was really interesting. But yeah, like the single stories contained to that 40 to 60 page count um, yeah. seem to be rising more lately, which is really cool as well. Um, there was yeah, yeah. The, the Replacer as well by Zach. Uh, <laughs> I haven't read it. Um, I, I, I haven't covered it on the show yet, but I did read it. I think it came out... When did it come out? Hang on. It was it was last year, I think. And I'm just trying to remember if it was around the same time as... Uh, Mental Blank. The one that, that you drew that we were just talking about at the start of the show that I covered. With, Lonely Receiver? Yes! Okay. Yes, I think it was around the same time as Lonely Receiver. Uh, April 2019. Wow, it's that long ago already. I thought I only read it as I started No Capes. That's so weird right now. <laughs> it really is. But yeah, that was Zach Thompson as well. Oh. Um, ah, shit, I should read it then. <laughs> and yeah, it's 64 pages. Um, and it was uh, like a, inspired by a true story of mm. Zach's, you know. Uh, okay, yeah. I think I remember hearing noise about it, but no, I, I should fucking read it already. It was, it was really good. It was intense, cool. but really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, um, that seems to be, at least in my experience, where Zach shines. Yeah, right? Yeah. 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 Look, honestly, Zach, if you're watching this, hello. Yo. I, I, I'm here, and, like, I, I don't know if I can do sequentials for you, buddy, but, like, let's talk covers. I would love to do a cover <laughs> for you. Uh, let me get spooky with you. Um, yeah, Zach's, Zach's horror stuff just... Oh, it it's fantastic. tickles the right nerves for me. But, yeah, yeah, Lonely Receiver, one of my favorites. The Replacer, one of my favorites from that year as well. Wasted mm -hmm. Space, 
Out of Darkness. Yeah. All like a lot of these all started around the same time, and they're all amazing. Yeah, uh, I feel like we're we're definitely in a, in a renaissance period for creator-owned stuff. Tell me about it. That and that's why I wanted to start this show, because I was yeah. just blown away by all the amazing creator-owned stuff that wasn't superhero-focused that was coming out, <laughs> and I'm just totally. like more people need to hear about these books and that gives me an excuse to actually connect with and talk with all of the creators that i'm seeing on twitter and everything like that and i feel like it's not like it's nice for me to not have to necessarily interview someone because i get kind of nervous doing that um but <laughs> i feel like it's well and like other creators have said it's nice for them to not have to talk about themselves Oh yeah, it's so much more fun to talk about somebody else's work. <laughs> right? And like, your work comes up, which is great. Sure. But yeah. the focus is just the love of comics. Yeah. And, and yeah, like being able to just gush about all these really, really good books. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and Wasted Space was a really fun ride. It, I have not read a comic like that in quite a while, and it was so enjoyable. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to like trades coming out now, or yeah, yeah. Like one. I mean, I, I get everything. Well, not everything, but I try. I've been trying to move more digitally because there's only so much bookshelf space that I exactly. have. Exactly, and that's that's it. <laughs> I get most of my books digitally to read ongoing. So, but yeah. if I'm gonna, if there's a book that I really loved and I want to have it, I'll wait mm -hmm. until there's a trade or an omnibus. And again, yeah. Bolt, this is another one for you guys, Bolt. Please give us this in like one big fat book i really Ooh. want to drop that on the desk yeah yeah yeah. you can make so many dick jokes vault <laughs> yeah there's there's a lot of of gross dirty jokes to be made about this book and there's just <laughs> so much that could be done with it and yeah give give us a, a big fat single book hardcover or a yep. soft cover i don't care just one big big book I think hardcover would be best. <laughs> I think it would be really cool. I think a big hardcover would be really cool. Well, that actually takes us about to the hour. So, wow. if you didn't guess by now, we loved this book. It was just, really fun. Just a little bit. Just a um, little. I'm going to link it in the description so that you can go away and watch it, uh, read it, and then come back and watch more episodes of the show. Or if you have gone away yeah like i gotta link it for the people that haven't even made it this far through the episode yet so that they can go and read the book and then come back and watch the rest of the episode um i'm gonna link all of your stuff in the comments as okay. well uh but Sweet. where can people find you and what have you got coming out if you've got anything new coming out uh yeah so i can be found um primarily on twitter and tumblr as the jensington um, and I'm technically on Instagram by the same handle, but I'm not, I, I don't really use the service as much. Um, and the graphic novel that I drew next, last year is going to come out in 2023 and it's called Buzzing. It'll be out from Little Brown. Um, it's, it's a middle grade sort of slice of life with some fantasy elements. Oh, cool. Quite cute. Um, and I think that's it for stuff on the horizon right now, unless I'm forgetting something, which I always am. <laughs> Well, but I think that's it. Keep an eye out. Go follow Jen on Twitter and and or Tumblr, depending on what you use. Uh, I will. Yeah, link... I don't think there's anybody left on Tumblr but me, but that's fine. Um, I've got an account on there, but I haven't used it in a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I feel like when the the great porn ban happened, everybody left. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Except for like some diehard accounts that are somehow still managing to get away with posting it. They are. Every now and then I find one and I'm like, how? You're wizards. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I will link those comics of yours that we've mentioned throughout the uh, episode below. You know, I'm gonna, just going to slap your comicsology profile in there so they can see everything. <laughs> because yeah, there's some really cool right, stuff That one always there. makes me laugh because uh, the, comicsology has credited things that I didn't do and then comicsology has also missed stuff that I've done. So like, of course. Bad data. Bad data all around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, go read Jen's comics and go read this comic and come back yeah. for the next episode to see what we're talking about. I can't tell you what it is because I haven't decided what order these episodes are coming out in yet. 
But if you like the show so far, please do the whole like, subscribe, share thing. You know, send it to a couple of your mates. You can also support me and the show by signing up to Patreon. You know, five bucks AU a month is the base tier, and that gets you early access to most things. You get to read previews of my scripts, see previews of comic pages and other art pieces that I'm doing, playtest all my TTRPG stuff, playtest my board game stuff, and just other cool stuff in general. Uh, and that's like $2.60 American. You know, something like that. $2.63 bucks American a month. So maybe consider that, because once I've got like 10 more subscribers, I can start paying my collaborators to make all of the comic pitches that didn't make it into anthologies yet. And uh, I'd really like to make those sooner than later. Uh, but this has been No Capes. This has been Jen and their adorable cat. This is Habibi. Oh, precious. I love, I love other people's cats. <laughs> like, I don't know that I could have a cat myself because I've got too much crap everywhere. And they will knock it all over. Exactly. Um, but I love other people's cats, and it's always really nice uh, seeing everybody's pets make an appearance. Uh, even Z I got to see Zola for like all of about 30 seconds when Chris came on the show. Because she was asleep on the floor behind him, so he didn't um, want to disturb yeah. her too much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this has been No Capes, and I'm Sean Sunday. You can find me at Brainbee Studios everywhere. And until next time, keep reading comics, have a good time, be kind to each other, be kind to yourself. Bye for now. So you won't believe it. Here's a little bit of bonus content for the end of the episode. As you just heard, I was really, really excited and wishing for a big, fat omnibus of wasted space to throw on the shelf. Well, immediately after I finished editing this episode, Vault Comics announced the Kickstarter for their big, fat, hardcover omnibus of wasted space. So um, they sent me some graphics, which you can see here as soon as this video is done. I'm going to link this in the description. Please go sign up for pre-launch notifications for this Kickstarter and let's make this book happen because it really, really deserves this collected edition and I really want to get one. And if you guys all sign up and help fund it, we all get one. So go check it out. I'm really excited for this. The book is amazing. The folks at Vault have been really kind in helping me out to get these images and so I can help promote the book because I really love it. So go check it out and give them some love and let's get this done. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another episode of No Capes, the show where we talk about creator-owned comics with creators who own comics. Now, this show is powered by Patreon. So if you want to go and check out our Patreon, you'll get early access to the episodes. You'll get early access to my comic scripts, previews of work in progress, and more. So every subscription counts. And if you liked the episode, please like, share, subscribe, do all the things, let people know about the show, shout about it from the rooftops, because every single bit counts and helps us get more listeners, helps us get more subscribers, and I get to keep making cool stuff for you to enjoy. Thanks very much. Keep reading comics.